Well, it's good to have um, our college age or some of our college age lead us today. Um, Stephen's, of course, not been able to be with us most of the summer because he's been traveling. Then Michaela and Whitney will be heading out to Olivet and Treveca uh, shortly, and Dylan will be heading to Treveca as well. So be praying for them as they begin to move out into school. Uh, we, had, we had a great trip in Guatemala. And we, the last Saturday we were there, I think it was Saturday, we had breakfast at what I would call the Guatemalan Panera. And, uh, you know, it was just a little uh, coffee kind of bread breakfast place. And, and I ordered something off the menu, and it was, um, it looked awesome on the menu. Anybody ever have this experience? <laughs> and then I got it, and I got to tell you, the avocados were a lot smaller in reality than they were on the picture of the sandwich. And that's kind of like life, right? So things on the menu don't always match uh, what you end up getting on your plate. I have some pictures. Uh, Taco Bell, there's the advertisement, there's the actual taco, and that's, that is the, yeah, Burger King, the, the Whopper, and of course my favorite, the, the, the Big Mac. You know, we, we order things off menus and we expect one thing, and, and usually we get quite a different thing. Uh, we, but we want things to be true to, to their advertisement. Uh, we, we want cars that are true to the sales pitch. So, so if you go to a, to a, a, a sales lot, if you, if you go buy a new Honda, we, we want that Honda to have all the things it's supposed to have, Neil, okay? All, all the consoles have to be exactly as they're advertised. We, we don't want to get something different than we're sold. We, when we buy a house, uh, we want the house to have all the attributes that are in the, uh, the, the cell sheet and, and what the, the agent tells us the house has. We, we don't want to have hidden termites or, you know, three months later, we don't want to find eight feet of water in the basement. Uh, you know, you, you, you interview for a job. And um, you go through the interview process and, and you think you're interviewing for, to be the, the controller of the company. You don't want to end up emptying the trash cans, okay? You, wanna, you want... These things to be true. When you marry somebody, <laughs> don't nudge your husband or wife right now. <laughs> you know, you, you want that person to be true to who they were before the relationship. Although I've heard in the past that, that men want their wives to stay the same and wives want their husbands to change after marriage. I don't know if that's true or not. But, but, but we want things to be true. We want things to be real. And, and I'm turning into a little bit of a, a word nerd. <laughs> As a matter of fact, I think I'll make that my tweeter. Twitter, I know. Twitter handle, I want to be the word nerd. Uh, it's probably already taken, but, you know, I, and I think it's because it's so easy anymore when, when I'm doing sermon prep to, to just get on dictionary.com. I love dictionary.com. I don't know how accurate it is, but I love it. It's easy. And you can look up words and get all sorts of definitions. And, and so I looked up the definition for true, and it, it gave me three significant words, real, genuine, and authentic. And I think those are the kind of things that we want in our life. Authentic is important. Uh, several weeks ago, we were at a Reds baseball game, and, and they were selling authentic game-used um, supplies. <laughs> I don't know what you're going to do with a $3,000 uh, third-base bag, but you can buy one at the Reds game, okay? Okay. But, but, you know, there's a value to that, and we see this value to authenticity and things that are real, and we want our lives to be full of authentic things, genuine things, real things. We, we don't want fake relationships, amen? We want relationships that are deep and meaningful and real, not just in parents. We don't just want to 
face value, but, but we want authentic things to fill our life. And, and, and I want you to know something. If we want authentic things to fill our life, to live authentic lives, we must be authentic. It starts with us. You don't surround yourself with real and authentic things and expect everything to be okay if you're not authentic. It starts with me. It starts with you. If we want lives full of genuine relationships, we need to be genuine, authentic, real people. Deep down, I don't think any of us want to wear a mask, and I believe all of us long for that place and that relationship that we can be true to who we really are. And to wear a mask is, a, is kind of a heavy load to wear at times. It's kind of a heavy way to live life. Jesus talks to, to Pharisees in, in the scriptures, and, and I think we demonize Pharisees. We, we tend to think of them as these evil people, but the truth of the matter is that Pharisees were deeply religious, good people. <laughs> they were the kind of people that you would want to be your neighbor. They were the kind of people that would mow their grass. They were the kind of people that, that would pay their tithe. They were the kind of people that would do all the right things. And Jesus looked at these groups of people that did all the right things, and what did he call them? Does anybody remember? What? Whitewashed tombs? What was the word? Hypocrites. Jesus said, you're a bunch of hypocrites. And we think of that as a spiritual term, but Jesus used it in a spiritual way, but it has a real life meaning. Hypocrite just basically means you're acting. And I think we see Jesus as bashing these guys and not liking these guys, but I think Jesus wanted them to see themselves as they were. And he wanted to see them to see that what they were living was not authentic and it was a call to something more. Not just, a, not just a down or not just putting them down, but guys, you're, you're not real from the inside out. You're just faking it. I think the point I want you to see with that this morning is this. It's possible to be religious, but not authentic. See, particularly if you've been, I was, I've been raised in the church. You know, but by the time, you know, I, I was never outside the church, always a part of the church, always raised in the church. And, and so I know all the language. I know all the, the special theological words. You know, I can say like sanctify and redeem and, and, and all those things. And, you know, I can use them properly in a sentence. So, you know, it's easy for me to kind of play the role. I, 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 you know, I know that what Nazarenes do and don't do, you know. We don't smoke and we don't chew and we don't go with girls who do. You know, we, we, I know the rules. It's possible to be so consumed with the structure that we're not dealing with the deep down issues of life so that our, our spirituality is, is a, a veneer and not something that flows from the inside out. See, it's possible to be religious but not authentic. And that's what makes this series so important. For the next few weeks, we're going to talk about the Holy Spirit. And when the Holy Spirit's at work in your life, he breaks through the veneer of fake, the veneer of religion, and begins to move authentically within you. 
And so we're going to talk about who the Spirit is and, 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 and all these kind of things. What, what's the work of the Spirit? You know, uh, how will the Spirit lead, lead? And try just to understand how the work of the Spirit, uh, how He moves in our life. Because see, I believe God's desire for you and God's desire for me is for me to be authentic, real. Do we believe that this morning? You know, it's crucial if we're going to be authentic believers that we allow the Spirit to move. Uh, John Wesley, who, you know, we're, we're Wesleyan by, by theology, and that's, that's our, our, our take on the, theological things. And Wesley emphasized this work of, of the Holy Spirit. And, and we, we are part of what is called the holiness movement. And the holiness movement believes that the Holy Spirit is central and important. We're Nazarenes. I mean, on our doors it says... Uh, Marysville Church of the Nazarene. I'm not ashamed to be a church of the Nazarene. I mean, I'm not saying that we're the only church. There's all sorts of folks that are going to heaven. But, but there's a particular slant to our theology. And our theology says we believe that the work of the Holy Spirit should be emphasized. We believe those things, right? And so it's important to talk about those things. The, the Holy Spirit, the promise of the Holy Spirit is a significant promise in the scripture. In Ezekiel, it says, Then I will sprinkle clean water on you, and you will be clean. I will cleanse you from all your filthiness and from all your idols. Moreover, I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit within you, and I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statues, and you will be careful to observe my ordinances. In other words, this work of the Holy Spirit is this significant prophetic work that God was talking about that, that came in full on Pentecost where God was no longer just speaking through a rule book, but he was going to be speaking by writing his law particularly and on in, in our hearts. God's desire is for us to be authentic, real, and true. God's desire for our church is that we be real, authentic, and true. And, and this isn't just spiritual authenticity. It's, it's just not some pie in the sky, some theological ideal of authenticity or being genuine or being true. But it's a real life promise that God gives to all people. Jesus says, I have come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. And then later on he says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And when Jesus uses this word truth, the word he's using here is not just propositional truth. It's not just getting all the questions on the test right. Jesus uses a word that's probably better translated, I am what's real. You know, Coke used to advertise, you know, the real thing. Jesus is the real thing. He is reality. And Jesus is in essence saying, I am showing you what it means to be truly, really, genuinely human. How to really live. And the Spirit is the gift that allows us to live these real lives. You know, this ideal of Christianity is, and, and serving Christ is so significant to me. And, and, 
And, and you can disagree. Just don't disagree out loud right now, okay? You, 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 can, you can murmur and complain on the way home. It's fun. Isn't it fun to murmur and complain? Yeah, I like, let, let's just spend like 10 seconds murmuring and complaining to get out of our sister. Okay, you guys ready? Let, anybody, can anybody do good murmuring? Here we go. Let's go. Feels good, doesn't it? Now you don't have to do it on the way home. I believe this ideal of the Holy Spirit at work in our life and what God is doing is so significant that it's only through the power of the Holy Spirit that we can really experience relationship with others like God intends us to experience relationships unless the Holy Spirit's at work. That that somehow, if the Holy Spirit's not at work in your, your life, you will have a better relationship with your spouse because of what Christ can do through the power of the Holy Spirit in your life. That, that your relationships with your kids, that even your work, <laughs> say amen for work, even your workplace will be better by the work of the Holy Spirit because he'll make it real and genuine and, and full of meaning. God creates authenticity through the personality of the Holy Spirit. And and I very carefully chose that word personality. When when I first wrote this, I said through the power of the Holy Spirit. And I think that's probably a correct way to say it. But I want to emphasize right here the personality of the Holy Spirit. We're not talking about a force or a power. We are talking about the person of the Holy Spirit, which is a person and is all God. And it's someone you have relationship with. Not a power that you appropriate, but a person that we're in relationship with. You ever been in a, I know none of you have ever been in a disagreement with anyone, but I've been in disagreements with people, and I've used the phrase, oh, you need to just get real, right? Right? This is God's mechanism so that we can get real, that we can be genuine. Billy Graham, in his book, The Holy Spirit, says this, Man has two great spiritual needs. One is forgiveness, the other is for goodness. God heard that first cry for help, the cry for forgiveness, and answered it at Calvary. But God also heard our second cry, that cry for goodness, and answered it at Pentecost. Now, I don't believe Billy Graham's a Nazarene guy, but that's a pretty good Nazarene answer to the work of the Holy Spirit. I would change this to authentic. We want to be real, authentic people, and the Holy Spirit gives us that opportunity. Wilson Hogue is a Wesleyan writer from the late 19th century, and he said the doctrine of the Holy Spirit is fundamental to Christianity. But he says this, listen carefully to to what he writes. As Jesus Christ was God in human relations, continuing a work for the salvation of men, So the Holy Spirit is God carrying on that work, not far away, but nearer to men than Jesus ever was. A spirit can never, can get nearer to spirit than body to spirit. Paul said, Christ liveth in me. This was literally true. God not far away and unloving, but as near as spirit can get to spirit. God not leaving us to a book that he inspired, but coming nearer than any book can come and helping us to understand that book. God not asking us to cry out so that our voices pierce the spaces, but telling us that he is nigh us even in our hearts. That is the teaching of Christianity concerning the Holy Spirit. I like that. 
You know, God's not leaving us to a book, but his spirit lives within us and allows us to understand that book. God's just not asking us to cry out as loud as we can to somehow pierce through the space. But God living so close to us, he hears every whisper. As a matter of fact, you don't even have to whisper. He hears as you think. And sometimes he even knows before you know. That's how close the Holy Spirit can reside within us. See, the the work of the Holy Spirit is essential if we want to be authentic. And here comes word nerd again. Essential means absolutely necessary and indispensable. In other words, if we're not paying attention to the work of the Holy Spirit in our life, we can never be the Christians. We can never be the people that God intends us to be. Now, authentic doesn't mean perfect. Everybody said, amen. Uh, you know, and, and, and I understand the concept of Christian perfection and the use of perfection as being fit for its purpose. But, but as we use the word perfect in our culture, it's not a word that people relate to. Uh, because most of us look in the mirror and we realize we're not perfect, you know, most of us, you know, we have a few, uh, you know, Matt's perfect, and, and, you know, just, yeah, thumbs up. <laughs> most of us understand we're not perfect, but, 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 and so when we use that word, I think it creates some misunderstanding. Uh, to, to, to me, as we talk about an authentic Christian, it's not perfect, but an authentic Christian owns and confesses failure. You know, I think there's something powerful in the life of a believer that is continuing along the journey and allowing God to move in their life and allowing God to still break their heart through conviction and draw them ever closer and even closer. See, I think God wants this authenticity for all of us, but not only for us, I think God wants this authenticity for his church. You know, this isn't our church, this is God's church, and he wants this to be an authentic place, not a perfect place, but an authentic place. My mom always told me, if you ever found a perfect church, don't stay there, because you'll make it imperfect. (laughs) You know, we need to be an authentic church, and the work of the Holy Spirit is essential if we want our church to be authentic. Uh, now, Francis Chan, anybody reading Francis Chan books in the past? Francis Chan wrote a book called Forgotten God. Maybe you read Forgotten God. Awesome book, worth reading. Um, real sound theological book. But in the beginning of it, he says this, the church becomes irrelevant when it becomes a purely human creation. Um, may we never be a church that are so dependent on our own resources and our own talents and our own minds that we do not allow the Holy Spirit to work fully in our church. And, and, and when I say those, you know, when I talk about a church not dependent on the Holy Spirit, you know, I think it's easy to look at other churches. Uh, but folks, I'm not the pastor of other churches. I'm the pastor of this church. And, and my desire, you know, I, I don't know what goes on in other churches. I, I believe God's at work in all, churches all throughout Marysville today. But my primary concern is the Holy Spirit at work in our church. Yours too, right? See, it's easy to justify our failures, but 
you know, when, when churches lack power and we rely on our only, only on our resources, oftentimes it's, it's just because we're not dependent on the Holy Spirit. So over the next few weeks, we'll talk about who the Holy Spirit is and what does the Holy Spirit ultimately want to do in my life and, and where will the Holy Spirit lead. But this morning, I want you to see that each of those questions, as we begin to talk about the, 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 the person of the Holy Spirit, there is a natural pushback. Uh, there is a natural spiritual pushback. Uh, we are talking about spiritual things that affect our physical realities, but because we are talking about spiritual things, I want you to understand that there is a spiritual battle being played out even in the midst of this service this morning. Um, so, so sometimes it's real easy to preach. I've got to tell you, this morning I'm struggling a little bit. First service seemed well, but I'm struggling with you this morning, and I believe it's a spiritual battle. Um, I, I believe that we are dealing with spiritual entities that are affecting our physical reality and our ability to hear from the Holy Spirit as he would have us hear from him. I just think we need to pray real quick. Can we pray? Let's bow our heads. Lord, right now, uh, I think this is crucially important to some of us sitting in, in, and standing in this room. This is crucially important to me. Help us now, Lord, to... Um, to hear from you what you would hear us, have us hear. Uh, Lord, um, speak through this stumbling, bumbling preacher and allow your spirit to move in a fresh way. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. You know, scripture says this, Ephesians 6.12 says, For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the powers, against the world forces of this darkness, against the spiritual forces of wickedness in the heavenly place. In other words, there, there's this spiritual warfare going on all around us, even as I speak. And, and I like how uh, Eugene Peterson puts this in the message. He says, This is no afternoon athletic contest that we'll walk away from and forget about in a couple hours. This is for key a life or death fight to the finish against the devil and all his angels. You know, well, pastor, you know, you're a 20th century guy. You know, you've got all this education. Surely you don't believe in the devil. I believe in a spiritual enemy known as the devil. You have an enemy of your soul. The, the devil roams around like a roaring lion seeking who we will devour and destroy. The devil wants to eat your family. <laughs> He wants to devour you. You have a spiritual enemy. Never begin to doubt it. I think one of the things that that Satan likes to do is just to stir up doubt as to his existence. You have an enemy. And that enemy does not want you to be the person that God wants you to be. Not because what he's offering is better, but because he does not want you to be the authentic, real person person, the real human, the real deal that God has in mind for you. And so he deceives and he lies and he hides and he dissuades and he, and he begins to just take our attention from what really matters. Man, I better be careful. I'll start spitting and really preaching up here. I may have to bring a pulpit back so I can smack it. That would have been good right there. I thought we woke Neil up. (laughs) This is spiritual warfare. And our need for the Holy Spirit 
is a spiritual battle that affects our physical realities. In other words, there is a heaven to gain and a hell to shun, as we've always said, the traditional way to say it. There is a heaven and there's a hell. There is an eternity, but it affects where you live right now. Every relationship you have is affected by the the, the ability of the Holy Spirit, your willingness for the Holy Spirit to work in your life. Everything you do. But since this is a spiritual battle, we face a spiritual enemy. Francis Chan says this, If I were Satan and my ultimate goal was to thwart God's kingdom and purposes, one of my main strategies would be to get churchgoers, that's, that's us, right, to ignore the Holy Spirit. The degree to which this has happened, and I'd argue that it is a prolific disease in the body of Christ, is directly connected to the dissatisfaction most of us feel with and in the church. We understand something very important is missing. The feeling is so strong that some have run away from the church and God's word completely. See, the Holy Spirit is fundamental to what it means to be Christian. So I'm going to leave some space this morning for us to pray. And I'm going to ask you some questions. Um, just, just, you know, as I ask these you know, I'm not, I'm, not trying to, I'm not trying to cast some false guilt um, on you. I'm not, I'm not trying to manipulate, uh, but I want you to pay attention to the Holy Spirit. See, the, Jesus said the Holy Spirit will convict and draw, right? And, and so sometimes, I mean, it, it, it's sometimes hard, I believe, to discern when there's some emotional pull because pastors can be good at just like emotional pulls. And, and I don't want that to be the case. I want you to listen to the Spirit this morning because I do believe that, that the work that is eternal and the work that matters is what the Spirit does within you. And, and so as I ask these questions, don't be emotionally drawn, but listen to the Spirit within you. Are you authentic? I mean, is your walk real? Um, I mean, if, if, if we were to peel back the mask, would it match a walk that's consistent with what you're portraying? Does your life line up with the Bible? Um, the Holy Spirit does this unique work where he takes our lives, and, and, and the Bible, you know, it's a collection <laughs> Man, the Bible is this awesome book, folks. It's this collection of writings anywhere from, you know, 6,000 to to 2,000 years old that that you'd think, how can that book apply to my life as old as the text are? But somehow, through the power of the Holy Spirit, God can can take that book and, and he can apply it to our lives and Hebrew says, you know, it's living, it's alive and, and it can pierce us deep within. And see, oftentimes we take the word of God and we say, well, how do I make, how do I make that applicable to my life? And, and I like what one writer said, don't, don't try to make the word applicable to your life, try to make your life applicable to the word. <laughs> and the Holy Spirit, through the personality of the Holy Spirit, through relationship to the Holy Spirit, he can, he can make the Bible come alive in your life. 
So I ask you, is the Bible alive? If, can, can you point to passages? Can you point to scriptures that, that, that are helping you as you try to be this real, genuine person? Are you growing in your Christian walk? I want you to know I serve a God that's so big. And, and some of you are older than me and saying, oh, you're just a young man, you don't know. And some of you are younger than me and saying, oh, you're just an old man, you're stupid. Uh, you know, whatever. So, but as I grow in my Christian walk, I find there's more to grow every, every day. <laughs> God is so big. And, and there's not a day goes by that it seems that God doesn't show me something new about him. He's so much bigger than me. And see, I believe genuine followers don't just arrive, but they're arriving. They're growing. They're learning. They're still listening. They're still hearing. Has the Holy Spirit spoken to you through conviction in the past six months? See, the Holy Spirit convicts. And he convicts this preacher. Not that I go out and commit blatant sin, uh, but, but there's times the Holy Spirit speaks to me, particularly in relationship with my family, and, and, he, and, he, and he convicts me of being a dingbat, you know, that great, great Greek word, <laughs> or even worse, you know, some, sometimes even more blunt, he says, you know, you're a real jerk sometimes, Paul, and, and he convicts me in that way. Anybody ever have the Holy Spirit convict you like that? Okay, just me, yeah. When was the last time you were convicted by something in your life by the power of the Holy Spirit? If you've not been convicted in the last six months, it means either, number one, that you are perfect without fail, or you may not be hearing or listening. Um, Has God called you to do more than what seemed to be physically possible in the past year? And the next one's kind of a, a connecting one. Has God moved you out of your comfort zone? in the past year. Uh, We'll close this series with an examination of the book of Acts, and I'll probably preach through the book of Acts in in one Sunday. It'll only take me like eight hours, and so it'll be great. (laughs) You'll enjoy it. We'll bring lunch, sack lunches. uh, But the story of the book of Acts is this. God sends his spirit. He says, I want you guys to wait in Jerusalem, and I just wait, and then the, when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, you will receive power, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And the book of Acts is the story of the church and individuals in the church moving from Jerusalem to the ends of the earth. And, and it's not because it was comfortable, and it's not because it's what they wanted to do, and it's not because they had all the talent in the world, it's not because they were so sharp, it was because God's Holy Spirit moved them beyond themselves and beyond what was comfortable. See, I still believe the Holy Spirit moves people in that way. We had... Um, we had an awesome board retreat Friday and Saturday. And, and your church leadership, uh, I mean, I, I'm so blessed by my church leadership here. I appreciate them and their, their willingness just to talk about these things and, you know, how, how can we be more effective? How can, how can we reach de-churched, unchurched, unsaved people? That's what we want to do. Amen? <laughs> we want people to get saved in our church. And what can we do to reach people that need a relationship with Jesus Christ? And, and what I realized is this, is we can't do it on our own. 
You know, as we looked at all these strategies and all these things that, that needed to be done, there, I, I think every member of the board, every member of your church staff had this deep realization for this to happen, it will have to be a supernatural move of God. That's what I long for. Here, I'll be word nerd again. Supernatural above what is natural. In other words, when people step back and look, they'll say, you know, that wasn't something they did. That was a God thing. <laughs> we watched a video of a, a church plant um, pastor. He planted, I believe they had done 50 churches. He had done 50 churches. And in one of the first churches he planted, he had a guy that overdosed on heroin. And um, they gave the, he is dead. And they gave a guy a drug after he'd been dead for a few minutes, and he popped back to life and accepted Jesus, and now is a, is a minister or serving in their church. And, and people would come to the church, and they'd say, is this the church where the dead man came to life? <laughs> I want to be a church where dead people come to life. Don't you? And that won't happen based on me, based on Christy, based on Josh, based on Kim, based on Joe, based on any of our church leadership, based on any of our our literature, based on our facilities, based on our money. It won't happen based on those things. It will happen based on the power of the Holy Spirit, the personality of the Holy Spirit at work in you and me. So we're going to close in prayer. I'm not even going to read the scripture. We're we're just going to close. I just feel it's time to close. And I'm going to ask Christy to close us in prayer. I need prayer. Stand with me if you will. Um... Maybe you want to join me at the altar today, but, but i got to tell you, I need more of God, and uh, I, I need to sense his spirit more real. And so she's going to pause just for a few moments. Maybe you want to come and pray, and then we'll close in prayer. Thank you for who you are. We thank you, Lord, that you long to make us your people. You don't need us. You didn't have to create us, but, Lord, you chose us. You chose to create us. You chose to place within each one of us a plan and a purpose. Lord, you long to have a relationship with us, and you have given us all we need to do that. Lord, we thank you for your son who paid the price for us with his blood and his life. We thank you that we serve a risen Savior today. And Lord, we thank you for your Holy Spirit. You have promised Lord, to stand beside us, to not leave us, to never forsake us. You have promised to fill us with your Holy Spirit and to continue to draw us to you. And Lord, we long for that this morning. We want to be your people inside and outside of this church. We want to be the church. But Lord, to do that, we need to be filled with your power and your Holy Spirit. And we pray, Jesus, that today we would just take an honest look, each of us individually, at where we stand with that. Lord, are there, are there areas in our lives that we need to fully surrender to you? Are there things in our lives that we need to ask forgiveness for? Are there people in our lives that we need to hand over to you and just allow you to work in their lives? Lord, is there room inside of us for more of you and more of your spirit. Lord, help us to just empty ourselves today of all of us so that we can have all of you. 
And Lord, we pray that you would help us to be your people in this community. There are hurting, lost people all around us, people who are struggling with unimaginable things in their lives, people who need to know that there was a God who created them and there is a Savior who loves them and who has given his life for them. Lord, they may not ever know about you unless we go to them. And so, Lord, we pray that with the filling of your spirit, you would empower us. You would help us, Jesus, to see needs and see people as you see them. You would give us courage to be obedient, to go and meet those needs. Lord, that you would help us to be your hands and feet to people all around us. Lord, help us as a, as a church family to love one another, but to have a vision for people in our community who also need to be loved and brought into this family. And Lord, help us to do more than think about it. Help us to act on it. Lord, you have, uh, you have called us to partner with you to expand your kingdom. And there is plenty to be done to do that. So Jesus, we pray for an authentic filling of your spirit today. We pray, Jesus, that you would just set our hearts on fire for the things that, that break your heart. Make us passionate about lost people. And Lord, we just ask that as we seek your guidance and your will, that, Lord, you would just help us to be the people that you would have us to be. We love you. We thank you for all that you've done for us and the ways that you have given and given to us and blessed us. Lord, and we will not ever fail to give you thanks and praise and honor for who you are. In your precious and holy name we pray. Amen. You are dismissed.